All right, two things. Number one, don't tell me the Seahawks score today. I have it DVR'd. Last week, the game went into overtime. We only did the three-hour DVR, which means with a minute and a half left in the game, all tied up, my DVR went off and it went to some infomercial cooking show on whatever. So don't tell me the score. I did the extra DVR this time. Number two, I am doing a seven-mile challenge obstacle course next Saturday, which is crazy because the furthest I've run so far in preparation was five miles three days ago. I've had to take three days off since I ran five miles because it was so hard. But here's the deal. Here's the shameless plug. It's a six-person team. I have one spot left. It's going to cost you 50 bucks. So if you want to run with your pastor and die with your pastor... Go ahead and talk to me afterwards. It should be a lot of fun. It's a Christian group. Our, the name of our group is called Just Finish. So, <laughs> should be good. <laughs> All right, so let's play some Bible quiz. Uh, who wrote the letter to the Ephesians? Paul. All right, how many chapters are there in Ephesians? Six. What did we talk about last week? Marriage. Oh, man, some of you were squirming last week. And what chapter are we beginning with this week? Six. six. So with that, would you pull out your Bibles? Let's open up to Ephesians chapter six. And again, and the last time I'll say it probably, but God eats popcorn. I don't know if he does or not, but it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians in the New Testament. This is an amazing portion of scripture. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of your heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly. As if you are serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So last week we talked about what the uh, spirit-filled life looks like in the context of marriage, like you guys answered so well. For the wife to respectfully submit to her husband as to the Lord and for her husband to lay down his life for his bride. I hope you understand that these roles that we talked about last week and the roles that we're going to talk about today, they can only be fulfilled by the supernatural filling of the Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit. Today we continue this discussion of being Spirit-filled as Paul, he instructs, he hits them all, right? Children, parents, slaves, masters, hitting everybody in the house with this instruction on how to live by the Spirit. The last couple of weeks I've been doing something. I've been removing the chapter markings, and I've been trying to remove the subheadings and attempt to just see how Paul's uh, trying to flow with it all, his original intent on, intent on how this letter is supposed to be read. Sometimes we get narrowly focused on the Bible, right? Just kind of pulling apart a verse here and a verse there and a verse there, which can be good. Uh, I, I do that all the time. But sometimes it's good if we just take a step back we read the scriptures in the context, get the bigger picture of what the Bible is trying to communicate. So I've been doing that the last couple of weeks. I want to do it one more time today. So I want to paraphrase from Ephesians 5, 8 straight through Ephesians 6, 9, where we ended uh, reading. And this is Paul's message. He says, live as children of light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Be wise. Don't be a fool. 
Renew your mind. Understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on alcohol. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with hymns and psalms and and spiritual songs to one another. Give thanks to God in the name of Jesus for what? For everything. And submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Wives, respectfully submit to your husbands. As to the Lord, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Children, honor and obey your parents. Parents, stop picking apart your kids. Instead, train them up in the ways of the Lord. Slaves, do your work as unto the Lord. And masters, get off your high horse because there are no favorites in the eyes of God. You see how it just flows? I love that. I love the Bible. It flows. We're receiving this valuable instruction from the Apostle Paul. He's showing us what the Spirit-filled life looks like in all aspects of humanity. And his message of living by the Spirit, it's powerful. It is a life-changing message. He says whether you're a husband or a wife, a child, parent, slave, or master, live a Spirit-filled life. Live a life full of the love of God and the Spirit of God. Or another way to put it would be, hey, you, be a Christian. Be a Christian no matter what your circumstances might be, whether you're in the position of influence or whether you're serving as a slave. Be a Christian. Follow Christ. He's letting no one off the hook. When I look at these scriptures, that's the lens I see it through, that there are no excuses for living out a sold-out, holy surrender, holy surrendered, spirit-filled life in Jesus. There are no excuses for lacking love or lacking love for God or lacking love for others. There's no excuses for not having the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Stop blaming your financial situation. Stop blaming your marriage or your kids, your parents, your job, your employer, the government, your church, or anything or anybody else for your lackluster walk with Christ. Stop it. Stop the excuses. It's time to be a Christian. It's time to live the life of obedience, discipline, service, sacrifice, and most importantly, love that God has called you to live. So with that in mind, I've entitled my message today, The Inconvenience of Serving Christ. It's inconvenient. We want it to be all about us, but it's not. It's actually all about God and others, to love God and to love others. When we look at Jesus, he is the greatest example I could ever find of this loving God, loving others. He is a servant. As God himself, what did he do? He humbled himself, didn't he? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. That's the, that's the walk. That is the pathway that we must take. And, and when I look at Jesus, the thing about it is, are we, when we look at Jesus, do we just look at him and say, that's a really neat man and way to go, Jesus. And I'm real proud of you. No. Did you know that we're becoming more like him? You know, we we actually read our Bibles and discover more about Jesus. Do you know why? Because we, by the Holy Spirit, again, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, are becoming more like Jesus every day. And if we're becoming more like Jesus every day, that means we're becoming a little bit more like a servant. Some of you, you just don't like that. It's not why you came to church. You wanted money. That's one of the reasons we come to church. We love the prosperity doctrine. But the idea of signing up for a life of service, I mean, ah. (laughs) But did you know that's what you've been called to? Did you know that? In the book of Matthew, this is a good passage, the, the mother of James and John, she's doing this awkward petitioning thing. She's trying to work out a deal where her boys would be sitting at the left and at the right of Jesus in his kingdom. The other disciples, that didn't sit too well with them. It kind of bugged them. Why did it bug them? Because they kind of wanted to be sitting on the left or the right. And I can just see Jesus hearing this and just, 
Well, I mean, my Jesus always has a little smile on his face. He's just like, oh, man. Really, you guys? Like, this is hilarious. I mean, you know, he would say, you know the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They're high officials. They exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among, among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't think that's what the disciples wanted to hear. As you read the Gospels, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying as well. They wanted to rule with Jesus. They wanted him to establish this kingdom, a political, political kingdom where he would rule and they would rule by his side. But instead, Jesus, he sets up a different kind of kingdom, doesn't he? A kingdom where the lowly would be exalted, where the servant would be called the greatest and where the last would be the first. That's the life you and I have been called to. So with this in mind, Paul comes along and he shows us what this life of serving looks like in the household. Last week we talked about it being expressed in the context of marriage. Today we see what it looks like for the rest of us. But before I move on, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I love your word. I love that we get to walk through it and learn by your Holy Spirit what you want to teach us. Have your way today, Lord. I love that you are moving in this place. Do not be silent. Speak to your kids today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So children, listen up children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Did you hear that, kids? All the kids, youth, anybody? Obey your parents. Honor them and obey them. It's really tough for Trevin to be here in the front row because I'm, I'm preaching. I keep on looking at him. It's, I feel bad for him. I, I won't look at you anymore, Trevin, I promise. But, but, but did you notice that it doesn't say honor your parents or obey your parents if they're really nice to you or if they take you to Disneyland or if you're a little older, if they buy you a car and they even pay for your gas? No, it doesn't say that. In fact, it just says obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because it's right. For it's right. It's the right thing to do. Paul, to say this back in the day, this is a really big deal. Children back in the day uh, in the Roman Empire, they were not treated well at all. They were unwanted. They were abandoned. They were mistreated, abused, raped, murdered. It was not a good time to be a kid. Aren't you grateful, Trevin? There was a custom. Maybe you've heard this before. It's awful. This is evil. It's a custom of child exposure. When a child was born, it was placed before his father's feet. The father, if he stooped down and recognized it, acknowledged the child, then it was his. If he looked at the child and he turned away and walked away, it meant that he did not recognize or acknowledge the child, and the child could quite literally be thrown out. It was called exposure because these children were left exposed to the elements to die. If they didn't die, it meant another Roman citizen picked them up to be their slave. Unwanted children, so maybe a little bit older, they were left in the Roman forum, abandoned there. They became the property of anyone who cared to pick them up. At night, they would come and be collected by people who would bring them back to health in order to sell them as slaves or to stock the brothels in Rome. It's in this context, in this environment, that Paul says, hey, obey your parents. Wow. I mean, that's tough stuff. But it's important to Paul. The Apostle Paul, he, he says that obeying your parents is a huge deal. Listen, he says it again in Colossians 3.20. He says, children, obey your parents 
in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So why do you obey your parents? Because they deserve it? Because they gave you an iPhone? No, it says because it pleases the Lord. Kids, if you love Jesus, or young adults, if you love Jesus, remember, as you obey your parents, as hard as it might be, be a Christian. No excuses. You're doing it for Jesus. And it pleases him so very much. Paul mentions disobeying your parents a few times in the Bible. In Romans, it talks about the godlessness and the wickedness of people. This is for everyone in the room. Disobeying your parents is one of the characteristics of godless and wicked people. Listen to the the description of what these kind of people are. These godless and wicked people. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Did you see that list? That is a crazy list. These godless and wicked people, they are murderers, they're evil, they're God-haters, no love, no mercy, and they don't take out the garbage when their parents ask them to. Did you see it? He says a similar thing in 2 Timothy 3. He says, disobeying your parents, it will actually be one of the characteristics of the last days. Listen to this. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Again, did you see disobeying your parents? It made it on the list of what people will look in these last days. I think God is trying to tell us that it matters. Obeying your parents matters to God. Regardless of how old you are, it matters to God. The Greek word for obey is hupakuo. It literally means to listen under. I love this definition. definition, To listen under with attentiveness and to respond positively to what is heard. So you actually listen to what is being said by the person in authority and you respond positively to what's been spoken. I love what R. Kent Hughes writes about obedience. He says, obedience involves conscious listening. If you do not really listen, you cannot really obey. That's why parents are always saying, listen to me. The idea is to listen under with the intent to understand and do it. Much of this is a matter of attitude. Right? And much of this is a matter of attitude. We're not to be like the little boy who misbehaved and was told by his teacher to sit in the corner, which he did with grudging obedience, all the while saying to himself, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. No, we're to obey our parents. And it's not just an outward thing. It's an inward thing. It's a thing of the heart, an attitude of the heart. And ultimately, why are we obeying our parents anyways? Let's read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. That's so very important. It's the key to the Scripture. Our obedience to our parents, it comes from our love for God. Whether our parents, by the way, are believers or not, our obedience is out of our reverence for Christ. Younger audience, listen up. This is important. This obedience, it comes from you being spirit-filled. That you would be spirit-filled having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So even if your parents are the scum of the earth, you as a spirit-filled believer, you are obeying your parents as unto the Lord as if you were obeying the Lord himself. So it doesn't, demand, doesn't depend on whether your parents deserve your obedience or not. Your obedience to them isn't about them. Let me say it again. Your obedience to them isn't about them. It's about your heart and your love for God. And with all that being said, I would say this. Here's an asterisk. This is important. You are not commanded to obey your parents if your parents tell you to do something illegal or that would make you disobey the Lord. If your parents call you to disobey the Lord, I want you to remember this verse. We talked about it in the Bold series. Uh, Acts 5.29. Peter states, we must obey God rather than men. In fact, all the young people, would you just say this with me? We must obey God rather than men. They only pull this one out if your parents really ask you to disobey God, to do something contrary to God. Not if they're just asking you to clean your room or mow the lawn. So you got to be careful when you pull that one out. But children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then it says, for this is right. It's right. It's according to God's plan and God's design. As parents, here's the thing about parents. Often we want our kids just to obey us for our own sanity, right? So that we could get a little peace and a little quiet in the home. As parents, that's why we want you to obey us. But we're missing the point as Christian parents if kids only obey us to make us happy. Obedience isn't to pacify the parents. Obedience, it comes from a spirit-filled believer who wants to do the right thing, who obeys his or her parents as if they were obeying God himself. And parents, that's what we want to see in our kids, right? That's what we want to see in our kids. We want our kids to be so in love with Jesus that their obedience would flow from that love, and they would want to do what is right. So obey your parents and finally honor your parents. And that, that's not easy. I mean, that's tough. In fact, some of you, honoring your parents... It's going to be one of the, if not the hardest thing you will have to do in your life because you do not have honorable parents. It seems like an impossible task. Again, it's why it's so important to be filled with the Spirit. Because in the natural, you're going to want to kill Him. But filled with the Spirit of God, God, He will give you the ability, He will give you the grace gift to be able to honor them. I believe that. And with this honor, there comes a promise. At this point, Paul's reciting the Ten Commandments. He says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So there you go. I know it's hard. I know at times it seems impossible. But the Bible tells us you can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So you can do it. Obey your parents in the Lord and honor them. All right. Any parents in the house? I know I'm a parent. I've been a parent for a while now. It's an exciting and overwhelming task. But... I'm thankful that the Lord has given me that responsibility. Verse 4, it says, Fathers, hey, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The New American Standard Version, it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. I like that. Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke your children to anger. I know this says fathers. I think it could easily be applied to both parents. This verse seems clear to me. Stop bugging your kids. Parents, we're so good at exasperating our children. Actually, I love the definition of the word exasperate. It's to irritate intensely. (laughs) So anyone in this room who has ever had a parent, have you ever been irritated intensely by them? You bet. You bet. We could all raise our hands. Sometimes as a kid, you feel like your parents 
main job in life, their mission and call in life is to irritate you again and again and again and again. But you know what? Even though we do that in a Christian family, we're to learn a better way. Notice it doesn't say give your kids free reign and let them do whatever they want. I mean, that's just as dysfunctional as irritating them all the time. No, it says bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You know, sometimes I, I, I try to be a real good parent. And I get my parent game face on, so I tell Trevin what he needs to do, how he needs to do it, and when he needs to do it. And guess what? Sometimes he still doesn't do it. <laughs> and I get a little frustrated. I get a little irritated. And then sometimes as parents, we decide we're going to be real good parents. So we punish our kids. We take something away from them. We ground them so that they will really want to do it. <laughs> do you know how effective that is? Not very. I mean, here's the deal. Even if he does everything I've asked him to do, I haven't taught him anything. There's been no training, no instruction by me as a parent. All I've done is to scare him into being obedient. Fear-based parenting. And the minute he is not in my household, and the minute he's not under my authority, so to speak, he will tell me, screw you, and he'll do whatever he wants. I haven't taught him anything. But bringing him up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, it looks much different. It actually has Trevin and I sitting in our living room. With our Bibles open, reading the Word of God, it has me in the car after a bad day at school, reaching over, putting my arm on his shoulder, and praying for him. It has us talking together, discussing, learning about the heart of God, learning about what pleases God. It has us asking each other for forgiveness, telling each other that we're sorry, and asking each other if we can start over. This is training up our kids in the love of God instead of the fear of man. That's important, the love of God instead of the fear of man. And when we do this, we are depositing something into our children that will last. Something that will travel with them long after they are out from underneath our roof, under our authority, so to speak. You know, I've done it wrong so many times with Trevin. It's tough being the oldest because parents were still learning how to be parents. But Trevin, he's done a tremendous job of putting up with me and putting up with his mom. So I've actually asked Trevin to come on up, and I want him to share one of those times where I exasperated him. So would you welcome Trevin up to stage? So one, so one of the times that Dan has is when I was practicing the guitar practicing another one bites the dust and I come down another one bites the dust (laughs) and um, so I come downstairs I'm like hey Dan how am I doing and I play it and he says "Eh, you're okay I said oh I thought I was doing pretty good and then he goes no you need to practice more and I'm like are you sure I'm like I thought I was doing pretty good and then we finally just, like, went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I got so frustrated that I bursted into tears, and I just, oh, I got so frustrated. And I just, we talked over it, and we hugged it out, and now we're good. Good job, buddy. Good job. Would you give it up for Trevin? Good job, buddy. Hugged it out. (laughs) That was great, Trevin. Thanks, bud. So, kids, 
Parents, we got some instructions there, don't we? Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. This is a radical passage because slavery, it was a huge part of the Roman culture. I don't have to have time to go into all the detail, but there was this, not that there's a good time to be a slave, but this was a really, really bad time to be a slave. For a Christian slave to obey their earthly master, it would require most definitely a daily filling of the spirit. I mean, how could you do it without a supernatural filling of the spirit? He writes a similar instruction to slaves in Colossians 3. He says, Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, this is good, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. For whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Peter addresses those Christians that are slaves. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Come on, Peter. For he says, for this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if When you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Wow, I mean, sometimes I think Peter and Paul are just talking crazy talk. Do you see what he's calling these slaves to? They are calling them to the impossible To an impossible standard. Again, this is why they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You notice I've said that like 20 times already. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's kind of hard for us to get a handle on what the Roman culture looked like with their slaves. Depending on your job or your boss today, some of you might argue that the master-slave relationship looks a lot like your current employer-employee relationship. Anybody have a job like that? Adam, don't raise your hand. Slavery, it, w- it was normal. It, w- it was the norm in the Roman Empire. I don't remember a lot from my college history classes, but I remember that the Greeks and later the, the Romans, they didn't like to work, right? Remember that? They considered it beneath their dignity to work. Thus, practically all the work was done by slaves. And I'm, although I'm sure there was masters that were kind to their slaves, as you read ancient history, that's really the exception, not the rule. In the law, a slave was not a person. A slave was a thing. Aristotle, a few centuries before Paul, he says there never can be a friendship between slave and master, for they have nothing in common. He says a slave is a living tool, just as a tool is an inanimate slave. A tool and a slave, they're the same thing. No better, no different than a tool. In many ways, they were treated the same way as one would treat an animal. In fact, sometimes the animals received better treatment than the slaves, terribly mistreated. Old slaves, they would be thrown out on the scrap heap to starve to death when they were no longer useful. 
Augustus crucified a slave because he killed a pet quail. Juvenal, the Roman poet, he tells of a Roman matron who ordered a slave to be killed for no other reason than that she had lost her temper with him. The slaves who were maids to their mistresses often had their hair torn out and their cheeks torn with their mistress's nails. Juvenal, he also tells of a master who delights in the sound of a cruel flogging, thinking it sweeter than any siren's song, and who revels in clanking chains, and summons a torturer and brands the slave because a couple of towels have been lost. It's in this context that Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, Let all who are under the yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. But here's the grand motivation. So that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. Again, slavery, it riles me up. It ticks me off. As I was studying this week and learning about the slaves back in Paul's time, it was really making me mad. And then, of course, you think about all the slavery that still exists in our world today. Without even mentioning the sex trafficking that is rampant in the world or the repulsive practice of marrying child brides, which, by the way, I was reading a Washington Post article that says every year 14 million girls around the world become child brides, some as young as eight or nine years old. Without even touching that evil, and even with slavery being abolished in the in in the world, every country in this planet, there's still an estimated 20 to 27 million people in slavery. Even more if you include those that are in slave-like conditions around the world in countries like India to pay off debts, or Nepal in forced labor, or places like Haiti where kids, young kids, work as unpaid servants, or Niger or Sudan where even though slavery has been outlawed, it's still prevalent. In fact, in Niger, uh, the Nigerian, I think it was almost 8% of Nigerians are still enslaved. These are situations of pure evil. That one human being would have that kind of power over another human being. It sickens me. You know, especially as a Christian where we just read that in the eyes of God there is no favoritism. He treats us all the same. But yet here Paul, he goes on, Peter goes on, he tells the slave, work as unto the Lord. It's a hard one to handle. But there he is. He says, serve your master as if you were serving the Lord. Now he does add that the Lord sees the injustice being done to you. Those over you will receive the judgment they deserve. But you, shine the light of Christ wherever you might be. You, you have an eternal reward. Jesus loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you, little girl. He's prepared a place for you. Barclay writes about the hell that so many people live in as they live as slaves. He writes... He writes this about Paul. He says, Paul does not tell them to rebel. He tells them to be Christians where they are. The great message of Christianity to every man is that wherever we might be, we live out the Christian life. The circumstances may all be against us, but that only makes the challenge greater. Christianity does not offer us an escape from circumstances. It offers us conquest of circumstances. I think those are pretty easy words for Barclay to write since he's never been a slave himself. But yet, I know he's right. Christianity does not offer us escape from circumstances, but he offers us conquest in the midst of our circumstances. The victory is always ours in Christ. Even if they take our lives, they cannot separate us 
from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus wins. Amen. So for you, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in today, I would say these instructions, the slaves, are ultimately words that every one of us need to obey, need to live by. Because there will always be people in our life that we will have to report to, right? Be obedient to. Someone that they are leading and we will have to follow. And sometimes these people are not good people. In fact, sometimes they're just flat out bums. As most of you know, I'm a pre-med biology major, and I was going to go into med school, and the process of going into med school, you got to kind of boost up that resume so you decide to work at a medical office. And so that's what I did. One summer working at a medical office, and uh, here's the deal. I'm not going to tell you who he is, and I'm not going to tell you where he is, because some of you might know him, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. So this doctor, (laughs) he was a complete and total jerk. I worked every day this summer, the entire summer, as a file boy, and I had two conversations with this doctor the whole summer. Once about how he slalom skis every uh, morning on Lake Taps and how he gets really frustrated when he gets called in and can't go skiing. And number two, the second time when he asked me to go to the hospital with him to visit a patient. Oh, right. How exciting. This is going to be great. We hopped into his cool little convertible, but then right away he started complaining about this patient and how he wished he would just die. We get, no joke, we get to the hospital, the loved ones are crying, they're scared, they're nervous. He just comes in, does his little spiel, and we leave as quickly as we can. He could care less about this guy. It was an awful experience. The job was awful. It was a terrible job, a job from the underworld. (laughs) But I tell you, I was the best file boy that office had ever seen or will ever see since. I was awesome. I busted my tail without thanks, without honor, without hardly any pay, but I did it. Why? Because I'm a Christian. My dad, he built me up in that discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I knew from the earliest age that I wasn't working for a man. I was working for Jesus. And I always wanted to give him my best out of my love for him. I'm still that way. In fact, that's one of the things you can always expect from me as long as I'm your pastor. Whether there's a thousand people here or ten people here, I'm going to give you my all, my very best, because I'm not working for you. I'm working for the Lord. I'm a slave to Christ. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. I love 1 Corinthians 7.22. It says, and remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you're now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, what? You are now a slave of Christ. We are a slave of Christ. Paul, he calls himself a slave of Christ. Paul also says in Romans 6, 18, he says, You've been set free from sin, and you have become slaves to righteousness. You were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. So serve God. Christian, you are in the service of the Lord. There's so many phrases in the Bible that talks about this. Not my will be done. But yours, God, take my life, the hymn says. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I am not my own, by the way. I was bought with a price. Jesus is my Lord. How many times do we sing about Jesus being my Lord? You read in the Bible about Jesus being my Lord. He is my Lord. He is my ruler. He is my master. He's the one that I obey, the one that I listen to, the one I follow after. Jesus tells us, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And us as Christians, we say, okay. Don't we? Don't we? (laughs) 
Right? Here I am. Send me. That's what it means to be a Christian. i got to be honest. When you follow Christ, and by the way, following Christ isn't just a prayer. I don't want to go far too into this. But it's not just a prayer that you pray. Following Christ is a life of obedience to God. Where you have died and Christ now lives in you. But when we become slaves to Christ, it turns the world's definition of slavery upside down. Because as a slave of Christ, listen to this. I become his friend. I become a son. I become a citizen of heaven. A joint heir with Christ. And I do reign with him. It's a new way to understand slavery. It's not that abusive slave trade. It's not that unpaid worker that we see around this world. But instead, it's that I am owned by a master who loves me and wants to provide everything out of his limitless resources to make my life eternally joyful. That's my master. That's who I work for. That's who you work for. So the Bible says, serve your master as you serve the Lord. And then finally, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I think the warning here for us today is to remember that in the eyes of the Lord, we're all sons and daughters, that he doesn't have favorites. Or if you want to put a positive spin on it, we are all his favorite. He's got a picture of every one of us on his refrigerator. But if you are a person of influence with people underneath you, be humble in your position. Be humble where the Lord has placed you. Sometimes he places us in a position of influence. And praise the Lord for that. Some of you in this room right now, you are very important in your place of business. You are responsible for the livelihoods of others. I'm so happy that you are in that position, but make sure you follow Christ's example. I want to read this passage again, this time from the the Gospel of Mark. It's found in chapter 10. Jesus, he calls his disciples together and he says... You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you, person in position of influence, do not abuse your position of influence. Don't continually remind others about the power that you have over them. Don't you threaten them. Instead, here's a great way to live. We talked about it in a series a couple years ago. Micah 6.8. Have you heard of the Micah 6.8 way to live? It's to act justly. It's to love mercy. And it's to walk humbly with your God. Be a servant. Be a servant of Christ out of your love for him. Even if you're the president of your company, serve Christ. Serve those who are serving you. Anyone know who Dan Cathy is? Have you ever heard of the name Dan Cathy? He is the CEO or the COO now of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, they are a huge fast food restaurant. I heard a rumor that they're coming to Tacoma, so I'm pretty excited about that. But listen to their corporate purpose statement. It's to glorify God. This is a fast food restaurant. (laughs) Their purpose statement, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. He says that at Chick-fil-A, CEO stands for Chief Encouragement Officer. He says that the word restaurant means a place of restoration, and he thinks of Chick-fil-A as an oasis where people can be restored. 
Again, a fast food restaurant where people can be restored. When employees are trained to work, they are taught, this is so good, that every life has a story. And often our customers and our employees, they need a little grace. And they need a little space when you deal with them. Because they are experiencing a problem, just have finished having a problem, or about to head into a problem. That's so good. He says we need to show them a little grace to give them some space. Now, here's a man of influence. He has more power than most of us will ever be able to comprehend. Yet he understands his position and he understands his responsibility that comes with that position. So he doesn't use his influence to lord it over others, but instead he uses it to serve his employees and to serve his customers. Most of you know that Chick-fil-A is closed on what day? Sundays, which is an amazing thing, again, in today's society, that you would be closed on Sunday. But he's committed to glorifying God, loving God, and loving others. And that's Paul's challenge for all of us. And I I get we've talked about a lot today, and we've talked about this idea of serving. But I cannot think of a better, a greater example of servanthood than our very own Lane Hauger, Lord Jesus. What Lane is um, so beautifully demonstrated is a glimpse of your heart for us. Lord, um, church is a funny thing. There's a certain way we've seen it done or well or poorly. (laughs) And uh, here at LifeSpring, Lord, we're trying to listen to your Holy Spirit and and let it be according to your plans and purposes for us. And, and there's a temptation to have it look like what we see on TV or down the street. But we pray for um, a beautiful expression of your body to be planted here, Lord, that is unique to this little corner of Edgewood, <laughs> uh, across from the karate place <laughs> where there is no sign that you would... Um, do something real, Lord, here, something special. And uh, for those of us that are new to this body, Lord, as, as odd some of this might feel or, or strange, I also know that it's resonating within our spirits, that this is something that matters, that out of my life and all that I do during my week, what I experience on a Sunday morning, I, my soul has been longing for that. And craving for that. So, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful time. I thank you for Lane, that there would be provision for him, God, that we would be able to resource him and bless him and buy T-shirts and buy bracelets and and do all that we can, Lord, to encourage him and send him off, Lord, on this ministry. And I thank you, Lord, um, that we would be able to receive the foot washing. We'd also be willing to give out the foot washing, that you would speak that both of those things to us, Lord, in this church, that we'd be able to receive it and be able to give it. We thank you, God, for your beautiful example that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. We're called to servanthood, Lord. We've called to be slaves to Christ, and we answer that call today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.